0: I don't have a long message this morning, uh, but I thought uh, it's kind of an in-betweener, actually. Uh, I thought that this Sunday began the Christmas Advent season. It actually doesn't. It's next Sunday, and so this is kind of one of those go-betweens. We're going to talk a little about Christmas, but uh, I think it's just a timely message uh, when it comes to the season. It seems to me that when I look around life, how many of you kind of notice we're always waiting for things? You know, life has a lot of things that are happening but also there's a lot of things that aren't happening. We're waiting for things. Recently, you know, on a trip to Disneyland, I mean, I noticed that you spend the majority of your eight to 10 hours there waiting, waiting in lines, waiting for food, waiting in traffic, just waiting, you know, sometimes waiting to get off the ride. And there's just a lot of times where you're sitting and doing nothing. And of course, I've noticed at Disneyland, particularly, The better the ride, the longer the wait, right? Sometimes in life it's the same thing. The the better the thing that we're asking for or praying for or working toward, the longer the wait. Here's the thing. Oftentimes we began to pray about the things we're waiting for. Maybe it's to get a spouse or to get a big financial deal to come through, to have a breakthrough in our finances, to buy a house, to get a college degree, to get into college to get a medical procedure, there's things, God, we're we're waiting for this, and we pray that it would come sooner. And one of the great encouragements of the Bible is the moment we began to pray for something or someone, heaven reacts. God has a listening ear to that. If you go to the book of Daniel, you don't have to. I'll do it for you. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is in exile from Israel, and he's trying to ponder why all of these things happen. Why are God's people in slavery in another land, not free to worship? All these things are happening, and Daniel is getting these dreams, and and he's interpreting these dreams, and he's interpreting other people's dreams. He's kind of wondering for himself, God... How did we get in the middle of this mess, and when are we going to get out of it? And so he prays, and he begins to think and ponder these things. And here's what an angel finally shows up to Daniel, and here's what he says. He says, Daniel, do not be afraid. This is key. Since the first day, the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God since the first day your words were heard. Right then and there. Daniel, the moment you prayed, heaven heard. But, he says in verse 13, the prince of Persia resisted me for 21 days. Now, here's a part of Old Testament theology. Books have been written about, studies have gone on about how could one of the angels of the all-powerful, almighty God be resisted by an evil prince of Persia and not be able to overcome him for 21 days? In fact, this angel says, I had to call in reinforcements. He says, then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was being detained what's the point of this first passage? Daniel, since the first day you prayed, heaven heard. I know it's been three weeks. Hey, for some of us, we'd take three weeks. <laughs> some of us are going on 30 years for some of the stuff we've been praying for. Daniel's at day 21. He says, and I've come in response. In response to what? in response to your hunger to gain understanding and humble yourself before God. In Genesis chapter 18, we have a neat, unique story. We have Abraham and Sarah. Years ago, God tells Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a son. Well, of course, they didn't, and they're getting older and older and older, and older. They have this little side thing where Sarah gives Abraham her maidservant, Hagar, and Abraham fathers a child through Hagar. But very quickly, they begin to realize that was a bad thing. Ishmael became difficult to raise. He was not the son of promise, and they began to realize that. But they're getting older, and older, and older, and older. Well, one day, they're past the age of childbearing, they're, they're, those, those years are gone. And all of a sudden, one day, God shows up for dinner. Can you imagine that? He literally shows up for dinner, and he says this to the family. I am going to return to you this time next year. Because it takes, what, roughly a year to have a baby, right? Nine months, give or take. I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, We'll have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, and she began to laugh. Will I now have this pleasure after I'm so old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say that? Will I really have a child? And Abraham, God looks at Abraham and says, is anything, anything, Abraham, too difficult for me? Is anything too hard for me? In fact, in the Old Testament, they use a lot of anthropomorphic images. Is my arm too weak or is it not strong enough that what I said I would do in you, I will do? He says, I will return to you next year and you and Sarah will have a baby boy of your own. Isn't that great? Don't you wish, don't, don't some of you wish God would almost say it to you? This time next year, you will be rich. This time next year, you will be married. This time next year, you will be dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if God were to come and say on February 14th, 2014, That man is going to come into your life, or that woman is going to come into your life, or that job is going to come. I mean, if you knew the exact day, then what would you do between now and then? Probably wouldn't worry about it much, would you? What the Bible is actually saying is there is a set appointed time that God brings those things to pass, but he does not tell us the exact day because we're called to live by trust and faith. There's something about knowing the exact day that really freaks us out and screws us up. In fact, there is a set day for the end of the world, and Jesus, the Son of God himself, didn't know it. He said to his disciples, the day and the hour is unknown. The appointed times are not for you to know. It's just for you to know it's going to happen one day. So get busy because between now and then, there's a lot of work to do. But if we knew that the world was literally going to end this December 21st, many of you would be living a lot differently than you are now, right? Of course we would. But God doesn't work that way. He doesn't kind of email us the date in advance. He simply tells us that there will be a set time. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 5, Moses writes, the Lord set a time and said, tomorrow I will do this in the land. And he started the 10 plagues in Egypt, which eventually set free the Israelites. In Psalm 75, one and two, he says, we praise you, O God, because you say, I will choose an appointed time and judge the earth with equity. You can often tell a person's relationship with God by how they react and how they process the waiting period. It's a lot like people in line at Disneyland. Some people get angry and irritated. Some people, by the time the blessing comes, they just want the blessing to be over with. The wait was so excruciatingly long. But then there's other people. They could wait two hours for a ride. And you know what? They're having so much fun with the people that they're with that the ride attendant actually has to tap them on the shoulder to usher them into the ride because they've been having fun with all the people around them. It's actually a lesson for that in us. There is a set time where the promises of God come to pass for us. And in between that day and this day, God's calling us to trust him. God's calling us to have faith in him. He's calling us to believe in him, to not give up on him, to not begin to reason him out. Some of the reactions that we do when we're waiting that I've observed in my lifetime is some people simply lose faith. Wait for something long enough, you simply begin to believe there's nobody at the other end of the line, that you're not praying to anything. You're just speaking into the air that there is no God. A lot of people just simply lose faith because they prayed for something and it didn't instantly happen like the TV preacher said it would. Or we wait 24 hours. And if it doesn't happen in 24 hours, well, then there must not be a God. It's very easy, very quick, and it's almost a cop-out to just lose faith. Well, there must not be a God if it did not happen according to our timetable. the fact is, when God sets a time, he sets the perfect time. How many of you have prayers that you're glad God didn't answer exactly when you prayed them? Because if he had, you might not have gotten a better blessing later as you grew and matured as a person or as a Christian, as a human being. The second thing is is we try to reason it out. Well, there is a God, and he does answer prayer but this is not how it works yeah you know, this is All those faith people, all those Pentecostals, all those charismatics, oh my goodness. You know, they're happy people. They're jolly people. They're great singers, and they can shout like the best of them. They can pray hot air balloons on Sunday, but they just don't understand how reasonable faith works. You know, you're you're on your own in this life. You got to go out there and make it on yourself. You, You go and grab stuff. Don't wait for stuff. Go and grab stuff. Let's be sensible about such things. Well, the fact of the matter is, that's not the biblical witness at all either. There are people, strong, sensible, intelligent, that God simply says, wait for the appointed time. Another way to do it is we get angry. God, whoever you are, wherever you are, I'm mad. I'm upset with you. I needed a wife 10 years ago and now I'm pushing 40 and I don't want to be having kids when I'm 40. I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. I'm mad. I can relate to that one, by the way. (laughs) I would not want to start a family now at 37. But, uh, you know, just get angry because it didn't happen. Other thing we can do is begin to think bad of God. Maybe... God isn't so good. Maybe he isn't a good God we thought he was. I'm sure Sarah began to think that as she began to go through menopause, as she began to have hot flashes and all those things happening to her. And she began to think, you know what? Maybe God's one of those. Maybe maybe this, we should go back to our moon gods because, you know, this Jehovah God, he kind of dangles you on a string and then I'm drying up. I've got no baby to bear. Maybe he's not so good. Other things we can do is get scared. Or I think one of the things we do more often is get controlling. You know what? If God ain't gonna make it happen, I'm gonna make it happen. There's a problem with us trying to make it happen. And I see this more and more in our society. As we begin to freak out. Doesn't necessarily happen at first, but the longer people grip on and try to make things happen, they just kinda go weird. I don't know what it is. We can call it all sorts of syndromes and all sorts, of, but they just kinda flip out in life. Because you see, there are set appointed times. And by the way, we don't get everything at once throughout the course of our lives. There's just blessing that builds upon blessing. And you may say, well, then, Tom, what is the point of the waiting period? As Americans, we would say that, all right? I'm living, I'm, I'm gonna die. What is the point of the in-between periods? It's for us to grow. It's for us to grow. If I spoiled my kids, gave them everything they wanted all the time, be monsters, be mean, be proud, be down on other kids, play with them differently. But as the blessing comes in sequences, what's happening in between, they're growing. They're learning they don't need stuff to be happy. They're learning they don't need people to be fulfilled. They're learning that God is good in the waiting period, just as much That's the blessing period. Amen? I know for me, people often ask, well, Tom, what's one of the things that you struggle with while you're waiting upon God to fulfill something? And here's the thing I I really get. I don't know why I'm not that old yet, but I have a strong sense of mortality. God, I'm not getting any younger. God, we're losing time here. I mean, come on now. I'm, I'm pushing 40, you know. God, you gotta help me out here. Stuff's going by and certain things aren't happening. Come on, God, you gotta make this come through for me. Here's the interesting thing about God. We tend to think that God would go from A to B to C to D to E to F to G, right, right? I mean, just kind of a a sequential order. When a lot of times with God, he may start you off from A to B to C, then he skips straight to M, N and O. What happened? He supplied everything you needed from C to L, it, you know, whether miraculously, instantaneously, or just through that growth period. That, that, that you know, we, we tend to think very sequentially where God, He's all over the map and He's never on vacation. I had a Foursquare convention, I'd recently heard of a story of a pastor who had lost his voice. It's very difficult to be a pastor and not be able to scream and shout, na na na! when he talked he talked you know he just lost his voice he was 42 kind of too young really to retire but too old to go back to school and start something else right so he went to a, a large church asked if you know if there's something he could do and they didn't really have anything for him but they said you know what we'll we'll put you through one of these certification programs and you can work with computers and so he's working with computers and he's losing money now. He has no job. And he's kind of crying out. He's saying, God, I gave up my life for the ministry. I mean, I, I have no skill. I, I have this little computer repair certificate I have. I, I have nothing I can do. Come on, God. You got to come through for me. And of course, he's just struggling in the mud. Time's going on. He's kind of getting mad. Kind of getting angry. But the company that he was with was a mobile company, so they'd send him out to fix all these people's computers. He couldn't talk, but he could type. Well, one day, they send him out to a company called Raytheon Corporation. I don't know much about it, but from the story, I think it's a pretty big company, pretty pretty legit U.S. company. And he goes out there, and he's fixing all these computers, and one of the people spots him and really starts to like him. He's an IT guy, and they began to have conversations, and he, he goes out there. And so one day, he's in there, and, he, and the guy pulls him aside and says, you know what, I'd love to bring you on our team. Now, I know you don't got all the degrees and everything, but, I mean, you've got you've got what we're looking for, the people skills, the the way you present yourself. There's a professionalism about you. Would you be willing to come on, and we'll train you, we'll certify you, we'll get you all going? And of course, he started off with the Raytheon Corporation, and he's been there for the last 10 years, and he taught himself how to be a software engineer. Now, it's interesting. I hear that story, and I think, man, why didn't God just heal his voice? He can continue to be a pastor. But at the set appointed time, God provided what was needed in spite of the things in life that come at us. Amen? Amen. So a few years earlier, Abraham and Sarah make a colossal mistake. God says at the set time, you're going to have a son. But during the waiting period, they did about all these things I just told you. They get mad. They get scared. They freak out. They began to talk amongst themselves. They're not sure. They began to, and and finally they choose the reasonable route. Oh, man. Sarah, it's not that you actually have to have the son. We've got tons of child-bearing women in our tribe who are your maidservants. And so they get this idea, and Sarah picks Hagar, an Egyptian maid, and says, okay, Abraham, father our children through this woman as a surrogate mother. There's only one problem. Hagar doesn't want to give Ishmael up. And there begins to be a competition, especially in those days, between the girl who could have the baby and the girl who couldn't. And so you get all of this bad blood. And what happened was, God had set an appointed time, but that appointed time was 14 years later. Abraham and Sarah couldn't wait. what's going on? We got got to get this going. We got to make this happen. When what they didn't realize, the miracle of miracle, Sarah, a woman past childbearing age, would deliver a son 14 years after God had talked about it. What's my point this morning? My point is very simple. There is a set point in time that God moves and acts and reacts in our lives. As Americans, we are all creatures of instant gratification. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. Who wants to wait? Waiting's not fun. But sometimes waiting is exactly what God wants to do with us. I've met with people who want to get married. They'll say to me, Why hasn't God brought me a wife? Or why hasn't God brought me a husband? And one of the hardest things for me to say is to look at them and say, I don't know if you're very marriable yet. I think you have some growing to do. You don't have a job. You don't have a plan. You haven't got yourself organized. How are you gonna take in a spouse into your life when you're not organized, you know? Sometimes in those waiting periods, God wants to grow us. God wants to improve us. So as the blessings come, we're not just sitting stuck in the mud waiting for them, but we're constantly on the journey of redemption to get there. The Israelis, the Hebrews, before Jesus had come, they were done. They were finished. They had been conquered and abused by so many people that they were crying out to God, God send the Messiah now! We want a new savior, a new healer. We want to get out from under the Romans. We want to be our own people again. We want to be a world power. We want to have a strong army. We want to be a force of change in this world. We want to be somebody to be reckoned with. And they were crying out, and there were all these Messiahs who were springing up right around the time of jesus's birth and they'd promise i will lead you into victory only to be slaughtered six years before jesus was born 1200 people were killed because they tried to rise up against the romans and what did the man call himself he called himself the mashiach the messiah why did 1200 people rally to him because that's what they wanted What got got Jesus killed ultimately is that he was not the Jewish Messiah that the Jews wanted. So if there's two points in today's message, it's this. First of all, we're called to wait. And second of all, we're called to release our answer up to God. They wanted a political general to come and save them when God sent them a spiritual savior. They didn't want Jesus. They didn't want someone to come and preach love and miracles. I mean, that was all great and everything. But at the end of the day, they're all following him, and their question was, okay, all right, Jesus, it's all good and stuff. I mean, you're a good preacher, nice guy. When's Rome going to fall? When's the kingdom of God coming? You said the kingdom of God is near. We're waiting for it to come. They're thinking of the kingdom of David. When Jesus is thinking of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus was not the answer they were looking for. So often in life, God gives us answers. We say, God, no, this isn't how I wanted you to answer this. This isn't how I wanted the answer to come. I wanted it to come this way. I wanted it to come that way. This- oh, God, I hope you do Because this isn't what I was. A lot of the first century Jews who followed Christ, they had to make that switch in their mind. At some point, they had to say, okay, God, I release the next David, the next King David, and I embrace this Jesus. Not sure why, but at some point, they had to give up their answer and take God's answer. Because when the blessing finally came, They weren't ready to receive it. Paul quotes this in Galatians chapter 4. He says, when we were underage, meaning the Old Testament, we were in slavery to the elementary spiritual forces of the world to which the law was given to guide us in our adolescence. But check this out. When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem us, that we may also become sons and daughters of the living God. Bow your heads with me this morning.